2: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 1st, 2011. Newcomers should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the downloads of audios. There's hundreds of them to choose from. And I try hopefully to give you a fresh start, at least maybe even a first start on understanding the big picture of the system under which you live. It goes under many different names, but it's all power struggles, really. And people at the bottom don't realize how addictive power is to certain individuals. And there's lots of them born in every generation who claw their way up to the top. They're psychopathic in nature. They, They love applause. They love being in the limelight. They love authority and power. And the only thing they respect is people above them with more power. And that's really what it's all about. Technically, you have different groups fighting over who owns the sheeple at the bottom because that's where all the cash comes from, and that enables those at the top to live awfully well. And remember, too, you're the audience who bring me to you, so if you want to support me, buy the discs and the books I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase using uh, an international postal money order. You can use a personal check. You can also uh, use PayPal just use the donation button you'll see on the Com site and follow it with an email with your name, address and the order and I'll get it out to you. Some people just send cash as well. Across the rest of the world, you can order by the same method using the PayPal for donation, following it by an email, name, address and order or you can send cash or you can use Western Union or MoneyGram as the other one. So it's up to you what you want to do and how you want to get it there. Remember, two donations, straight donations are accepted too. They're in short supply, believe you me, and uh, they're certainly very, very welcome to keep this going. And believe you me, it's not a, it's not a matter of getting on the, the radio for an hour per day. It's not a matter of even preparing for the show. I don't. I, I certainly have lots of articles I have to look up and so on. But um, it's more like fixing computers and dealing with other sites that go down, that kind of stuff too and going through all the rigmarole to do with that kind of thing. That's what takes up your day. It's just amazing. So help me out, and you can donate, as I say, by going into cuttingthroughmatrix.com and using the PayPal donation button. Thousands use the site, and very few ever send anything back. Although, mind you, lots of it's passed around. What astonishes me is the stuff I put out on the previous night. I will get about 10, 15 emails the next day, telling me people to look at the site that I've just put up there and the links I've just put up. It's just amazing where their heads are. It's just amazing how fast it gets around. So it always comes back to where they heard it from first, but they don't realize it themselves. Now, this big New World Order, as I say, is a system which is really the daddy of all systems, the one that came out after the feudal age, after the, the democratic age and the nationalistic age, after the warring of the democracies, And systems into the global age And it's the biggest battle yet And of course the biggest battle is always for the minds Of the billions of people That the few at the top want to control and own Because we're the livestock, you understand Nothing comes, and that's one thing that uh, Mark said was pretty well true Nothing comes out into society except through labor, human labor And uh, the boys at the top don't want to do no labor They want to profit from it and they want to sit in their rumps and go to big parties and pontificate on certain matters in a pseudo-intellectual fashion, uh, which they're famous for, and read their, the, the scripts that are written by speech writers for them to do as well. But really, it's a fight over the minds of the public. You've got to get the minds of the public on board and convince them through crisis after crisis, shock and awe, that there's nothing else to do but go along with this big global agenda. And in a sense... You know, legally, there's nothing you can really do because there's no complaints department in this new world order. No complaints department. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix Tonight I'll be putting up some links, including the ones I, I read from, but these links will be to do with uh, videos and so on. One, one ties in with yesterday's one of the yesterday's articles about uh, Prince Andrew, uh, the pedo prince it's called, and you'll hear some of the politicians in Britain and Parliament uh, having a little tut-tut-ha-ha-tee-hee uh, jokes about uh, uh, the prince's dalliances with these prostitutes that have been specially reared. By Mr. Epstein, uh, who's really the pimp in a sense. I'll put that up for you to hear. Remember too that Prince now is untouchable and so are all the royal family because the Queen made a royal decree about it not so long ago. So they can't say very much at all. And you'll hear uh, the person who's speaking about it uh, being warned not to go too far. That's the immunity uh, that these perves have, you see. And also put another one up about Epstein himself. And I think he even got it in there, too, that he likes to dress up as a woman sometimes uh, and stuff like that. And uh, he's being sued by uh, a transvestite or, uh, who he groomed from an early age, apparently, to be another kind of prostitute. Stuff like that's going on all the time. And it makes you wonder how it even leaks into the, into the papers these days. Is it just part of the demoralization process? Uh, that they knew they'd have to bring in the communists talked about that a lot of course the the total demoralization of a people, a nation by its moral standards and so on had to be attacked by raising certain groups up and and, uh, bringing this kind of thing forward so it makes you wonder because in reality you see if you go down through history you'll find the upper elite have always done this kind of stuff there's nothing taboo about them because they, they never believed in any religions that they gave the public and you really do get smack, smackerings of that, uh, smattering I should say, of that down through history. They never ever behaved in the way that they made the public behave. Otherwise it'd be chaos in the land and no taxis coming in. So they, but they really did have uh, these wild orgies and things like that down through the ages and pretty well all uh, of the, the big powerful families who ruled over nations. And it's quite something to really get stuck into the history books and, and look at some of this stuff and here it is all today uh, kind of coming out into the open and part of it too will be to normalize it because there's also a normalization process going on today if you haven't noticed I've I've talked before about the international meetings they have for the census uh, or the censors departments that you have for your various radio and television stations they'll get together every year and back in the year 2001 I think a month before the towers went down, uh, they came out with articles in a paper saying that now that they'd pushed to, for the rights of homosexuality on television, they were going to push further with more of it and they were going to push for the rights of bestiality and enter uh, what they call intergenerational sex, which is again is under age. They want to do away with any, to, and abolish any idea of, of anything wrong about the under age being molested. And Of course, they'll say, as long as they agree, well, how can a toddler agree with anything, knowing what's going on? Eh? But that's the hypocrisy of the perverted mind. So I'll put those up, uh, as I say, tonight, and you can peruse them at your leisure if you've already eaten a while ago and won't throw up. But uh, I'm also putting up one on fluoridation of Australia's water supply. It's quite a good video. Uh, it shows you how fluoride is collected and made. It's actually industrial waste. They scrape off of the big chimney smokestacks that they use to burn off industrial waste. They scrape the chimneys, and they call this fluoride, basically, and that's the stuff they put into your water supply. It's amazing to know that it even started in Canada with the Bromfman family, who used to have to—they owned Alcan. Alcan was a big aluminum industry in Canada. And they had to do the same thing. They had to get disposed of this uh, toxic poison, as it's still listed today. And they used to have it shipped down by the mafia down to Chicago for disposal. And um, eventually came up with a bright idea. Why, why pay to get it disposed of? Why not make the public eat it, you see, and pay for eating it? And so they paid off the, med- the dental industry, had a few uh, front people who were well paid to advance the causes, and one of the main ones in Canada Who did this eventually turned against it After a few years Realizing he's really been taken for a ride And it was bad for the public It doesn't matter though Eating waste is, is no problem to these guys They put enough waste in your food as it is They're on a roll now But mind you, they don't eat what you eat at all So I'll put this link up And it's called Firewater uh, About the, the industrial waste being used In Australia now It's well done And also, I'll put up uh, um, a link, it's called Globalism to Localism USA from FreedomAdvocates.org, and it's a good link. To, if you want, for those who's asked about Agenda 21, uh, communitarianism, and everything that it, that it entails, they've got lots and lots of articles on their website. If you want to search it, I'll put that up for you too, and I'll explain it all uh, as easy as possible. And people really, under, unfortunately, need stuff explained awfully easily for them today. Because they can't think anymore and, and I know that too Because most folk aren't even reading They're sending video links, video links, video links And I get satellite for for watching And believe you me, I get about a minute here or there And that's about it, if I'm lucky And that's about it I'm not paying the higher price for the supposed um, Slightly higher speed uh, For the satellite Because it's double the price I'm paying already And that's bad enough Now I've talked before about Um medical testing on humans. I've, I've put up links before where the U.S. government, and this through the CIA Pentagon, were actually using uh, people to test uh, uh, plutonium on, injecting plutonium into them after they falsely diagnosed them by, on purpose of having cancers and promised these poor folk, of course, always poor folk, uh, that they were going to get treated for it. And I, I might even drag them out tonight and add it to this link I'm putting up here. It's called AP Impact. Past medical testing on humans revealed it's not bad enough. They've been spraying us with cadmium and all kinds of barium and stuff like that, and that's admitted to as well now. And they've been doing that since the 60s, even the 50s. Uh, but uh, you, you don't you don't want to know all the experiments they've done on you because really you're just a number, a social insurance number, and um, your job is just to pay taxes till you die. And they want to collect statistics on why you die. After all, a farmer wants to know why his cow died, you see. And uh, they'll do autopsies and see if their their little testing here or there has had any effect on you at all. And they'll write that off in their costs, no doubt, uh, once you're gone. But uh, past medical testing on humans revealed, and it says, uh, shocking as it may seem, the U.S. government doctors once thought it was fine to experiment on disabled people and prison inmates. A very good book to read is called Acres of Skin. You should try and buy that one. It's a well-researched, incredible documentation of the experimentation they did on U.S. prisoners. And uh, again, using radiation, different things and so on. It's just absolutely... Even using isotopes near the testicles to see if it would sterilize them, stuff like that. It's just amazing. And some of the survivors... Uh, will give their testimony in in this particular book, but back to this article. It says such experiments include giving hepatitis to mental patients in Connecticut, squirting a pandemic flu virus up the noses of prisoners in Maryland, and injecting cancer cells into chronically ill people at a New York hospital. It went way beyond that, folks. This is the stuff that's been released. They were doing it in young folk too. Plus, they put the, the cancer viruses and, and stuff into the flu vaccine as well in the fifties. Much of this is horrific story is 40 to 80 years old, but it is back, it's a backdrop for a meeting in Washington this week by a, a presidential bioethics commission. That's a eugenics commission. They call themselves bioethicists now. But you feel better. These guys are looking after us. They're ethical, you see. No, they're eugenicists, folks, and they decide the new normals for the government. The meeting was triggered by the government's apology last fall for federal doctors infecting prisoners and mental patients in Guatemala with syphilis 65 years ago. And there's a, a YouTube video upon that, too, I do believe. U.S. officials also acknowledged there have been dozens of similar experiments in the United States, studies that often invoked, involved making healthy people sick. An exhaustive review by the Associated Press of medical journal reports and decades-old press clippings found more than 40 such studies. At best, there, was a, there were a search for life-saving treatments. At worst, some amounted to curiosity-satisfying experiments that hurt people provided no useful results. It killed a lot of people. Inevitably, they will be compared to the well-known Tuskegee syphilis study. In that episode, U.S. health officials tracked 600 black men in Alabama who already had syphilis but didn't give them adequate treatment even after penicillin became available. And they got placebos and all the rest of it. And I know the brother of the guy who headed that team because he was in touch with me. I've got a lot of documentation on that. These studies were worse in at least one respect. They violated the concept of first do no harm, a fundamental medical principle that stretches back centuries. And I should add to that, it's thrown out the window long ago. Most doctors don't even know what it means. When you give somebody a disease, even by the standards of their time, you really cross the key ethical norm of the profession, says Arthur Kaplan, director of the University of Pennsylvania's Center for Bioethics or Eugenics. Some of these studies, mostly from the 1940s to the 60s, apparently were never covered by news media. Others were reported at the time, but the, the focus was on the promise of enduring new cures, while glossing over how test subjects were treated. Attitudes about medical research were different then, Oh, really, they're really different then. Really, really, that's actually it's worse now, folks. It's worse now. When you die in hospital now, they just do give an autopsy right away without permission, just done, you know. Slicing up your head and weigh your kidneys and your liver and all bit, and uh, uh, again too you're the you're you you're owned you're the cattle you see and they want to make sure what killed or heard because you're a profit making machine for them. that should be called the desecration of the dead that was a crime to do that but now it's necrophilia, and uh, under the guise of of science. You see. Many prominent researchers felt it was legitimate to experiment on people who did not have full rights in society. People like prisoners, mental patients, poors poor blacks. It says it was an attitude in some ways similar to that of Nazi doctors experimenting on Jews and I'll add gypsies and Slavs as well. Back with more after this break. So we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about experiments that have gone on not just in the US but in every major country. On those who couldn't really speak out about it, they were at the bottom of the of the class heap, you might say. And some of them were in mental hospitals, others ones were prisoners, and others simply were brought into university programs. You know, you you're ten dollars a day sort of thing, and they, they tell you they're giving you a flu shot, but it's something else. And that's your tough luck. And again, it's people who are unemployed that they use. But uh, they're going to some past researches that were done here, and it says a federally funded study began in 1942, injected the experimental flu vaccine in male patients at a state asylum in Ypsilanti, Michigan, then exposed them to flu several months later. It was co-authored by Dr. Jonas Salk, uh, who a decade later became famous as inventor of the polio vaccine. You have to go into the history of Dr. Jonas Salk, the guy who gave us the the um, Simeon Forty cancer-causing virus and his lovely polio vaccine, and uh, who admitted it too. He, th- he said that the, the benefits outweighed the risks and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's probably got something to do with a lot of folk coming down with cancers uh, 30 years onwards. But... Um, He also was a member of the British and American uh, Eugenics Society, a prime writer for rapid depopulation of the planet, who suddenly becomes your saviour to to help you, you understand. And he's even um, asked questions at the time. Uh, You, who are such an advocate for depopulation, especially of the unemployed and and the excess population, are now going to be their champion. Why have you done it? And he gives some uh, twaddle about why he changed his mind on this particular issue. And, but the fact is, when the wolf uh, puts on a smile, I don't believe the wolf, and I hopefully neither do you. But they seem to get their way because there's a big agenda out there. So some of the men weren't able to describe their symptoms, raising serious questions about how well they understood what was being done to them. One newspaper account mentioned the test subjects were senile and debilitated. Then it quickly moved on to the promising results. It so always promising you something. It's still promising you something. And then they found with recent studies that, that, that uh, the difference in those who got the flu after getting the shot are, are the same as those who didn't get the shot at all. In fairly funded studies in the 1940s, noted researcher w, Dr. W. Paul Havens, Jr. exposed men to hepatitis in a series of experiments, including one using patients from mental institutions in Middletown and Norwich, uh, Connecticut Havens a World Health Organization expert on viral diseases, was one of the first scientists to differentiate types of hepatitis and their causes. He wasn't really the first, but they all want to get their name in the history books at any cost, I'll add cost to anybody else except themselves. A search of various news archives found no mention of the mental patient study, which made eight healthy men ill but broke new, no new ground in understanding the disease, except how quickly they could give it to them. Because, you see, you'll find that the biowarfare industry is heavily involved in granting uh, these characters for the studies. As this researchers in the mid-40s studied transmission of a deadly stomach bug by having young men swallow unfiltered stool suspension. It's almost as bad as giving you that stuff they scrape off the chimneys, eh, and call it fluoride. The study was conducted at New York State Vocational Institution, a reformatory prison in West Coxsackie. The point was to see how well the disease spread. That way as compared to spraying the germs and having test subjects breathe it. Swallowing it was a more effective way to spread the disease, researchers concluded, the study doesn't explain if the men were rewarded for this awful task. Mid-40s, by the way, that was part of the bacterial warfare programs they had, when they were really pushing ahead at any cost at all, again, any cost to other people. Then the University of Minnesota studied in the late 40s, injected 11 public service employee volunteers with malaria, then starve them for five days. Remember, I read an article recently about that where a guy was tested. It was a volunteer. I think he was a nurse. And I, and I think in the US, there was a, a call out and I'm trying to find him because he was delirious and it was, he was, he volunteered to take this new uh, vaccine and it gave him malaria. So they're still doing it, folks. Yeah. Some were also subjected to hard labor and those men lost an average of 14 pounds. They were treated for malarial fevers with quinine, sulfate, but one of the authors was Ansel Keys, a noted dietary scientist who developed K-rations for the military and the Mediterranean diet for the public, but a search of various news archives found no mention of the study. Well, most of the big ones, they won't tell you at all. Like the one, for instance, and I, think, I can't remember which major uh, newscast showed you the old footage of the American troops being marched into uh, the cloud, the mushroom cloud of an atomic bomb test uh with brass bands going the whole bit it was a propaganda exercise uh, using uh, a few thousand troops uh, with no protection at all and they were told it was going to be quite safe i know one of the guys who had his father there his father said they were put in trenches initially when the bomb went off and they were told to put their forearm across their eyes to shield them from x ray and they could actually see the bones in their arms uh, through through the through their arms the, the flesh of their arms and then they were told to march in. And then, then they found out that uh, these guys in, in the suits, you know, the scientific types who weren't taking any chances, eventually ran out halfway towards the cloud and, and told them not to get back. It was way over the dosage, the lethal dosage, and most of them died off. But it's an excellent documentary because they talked to just two or three of the survivors who were left. And then they went, they swapped to the Soviet Union to show them doing the same thing. in in one of the Soviet uh, uh, satrapies. And uh, they actually had a a village uh, that were told to come out every day, sit in their lawns, and they used this underground uh, testing with uh, piping uh, forcing the radiation towards the homes, and then that's how they they tested it on these people over there. So really, as I say, the world's all about the the, the most violent and uh, aggressive and power-hungry freaks who want to have ownership of us down below, you know, the, the cattle. Back with more after this break.
3: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
2: Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Caddying Through the Matrix, talking about experimentations on prisoners. And really, it's just the tip of the iceberg. This is stuff that's declassified, so the worst stuff, of course, is kept quiet or, or is resealed for another 50 years with another executive order. And they do the same thing in all countries. Uh, and much of the stuff that we're doing in Canada has not been given out to the public even yet. Uh, in Canada was leading the field in bacterial and viral warfare all through World War II and afterwards. It says, but studies using prisoners were uncommon in the first few decades of the 20th century. That's because they generally would string up these, these monsters who do the experiments. You know, it was unethical to do that, and these guys had to be creeps. Until they got the the science behind them, the science was elevated to be the the new priesthood, and suddenly it was all nice and stuff and and very, very proper. Anyway, it was unusually performed by researchers considered eccentric even by the standards of the day. Um, Really perverted to some of them were. This guy here was one. One was Doctor L. L. Stanley, resident physician at San Quentin Prison, California, who, around 1920, attempted to treat older, devitalized men by implanting in them testicles from livestock and from recently executed convicts. He must have read Frankenstein, I guess. And it says, Newspapers quote about Stanley's experiments, but the lack of outrage is striking. Enter San Quentin Penitentiary in the role of the Fountain of Youth. That's what they were calling it when they put uh, these uh, animal testicles in them an institution where the years are made to roll back for men of failing mentality and vitality, and where the spring is restored to the step and wit to the brain, vigor to the muscles and ambition to the spirit. All this is being done done by a surgeon with a scalpel, began one rosy report published in November 1919 in the Washington Post. And I know, of course, that the, the big eugenicists were all behind this kind of stuff of remaking the perfect human being, longevity, all that stuff, not for the the cattle at the bottom whom whom they tested it all on, but the ones at the top. Then it goes into World War II, and prisoners who were listed by the war for taking part in studies that could help the troops. A series of malaria studies at Stateville Penitentiary in Illinois and two other prisons was designed to test anti-malarial drugs that could help soldiers fighting in the Pacific. And at the same time, remember, too, the Nazis were doing all the stuff in Germany as well, but they're always the bad guys. Every country, as far as I'm concerned, has the same traits. And technically, I think that all societies and systems, including the communist system, are are by nature fascist, if you want to go that that route. That's that's a nice word for it, but often misunderstood. And then, of course, then you had the the whole uh, growth in the U.S. pharmaceutical and healthcare industries after the 50s accompanied by a boom in prisoner experiments funded both by government and corporations by the 1960s, at least half of the states allowed prisoners to be used as medical Guinea pigs and then it goes into um, various other uh, experiments they've done and it's, it's on and on it goes And it's children the whole lot were used for different things but it, it's just incredible what was done, even radiation given to children to see what would happen to them in the little black areas uh, throughout the U.S. And, again, it's always the bottom of the heap the U.S. for this. Mind you, now they're spraying stuff all the time called chemtrails. have been doing it steadily since 1998 on pretty well everybody, and uh, they know exactly what it's doing to the general public. And it's so taboo. It's like Prince Andrew there. They can't even talk about it. Special, uh, Special immunity from questions, it seems. I'm also putting up a link tonight on the, from the Tavistock Institute. It's from their own website, and they're still working with the British government and other governments too and giving them advice on how to do behavior management and modification on the general public. And it says um, they've, been, they've been asked to do a survey, you see, and find ways to change the public from driving and to get them onto bicycles and so on, because obviously uh, you're in an age now where they're to take the cars off away from you, either price it off the road, except for the wealthy elite and essential vehicles only, or or to simply ban it altogether. And it says, a response draws from our ongoing work with the Department for Transport and Cycling England through the evaluation of investment in cycling cities and towns in partnership with AECOM and University of West England, as well as the Tavistock Institutes of Human Relations, extensive work on behavior change. And there's a PDF at the bottom, and you can go through all of that as to how they're going to change the public's minds. And they will it'll work very well because, you see, these characters have led the culture industry and the minds of the public for oh, almost a 100 years now, and they've been awfully efficient at it. And they tell you the techniques of how they can change the masses, you know, the mob, quite easily, and uh, and get them to actually want to do what they want you to do, and that's the beauty of it too. Uh, they know exactly the types in society they can they, they can they'll work on first. Who then spread it amongst you. No, know, the, the happy jacks that like to get a bit of power and so on and start criticizing everyone else. And then two, the children at school who come back and, and criticize the parents for eating meats and all that kind of stuff. All these techniques will be used to change your behavior from thinking for yourself and doing what you want to do yourself. In other words, taking all the choices away from you. Now we'll go to the callers now and there's Rick from New York there. Are you there, Rick?
0: Yeah, how are you doing, Alan? Not too bad. Yeah, I wanted to mention something real quick. Um, I was reading uh, Daniel Oseland's book, uh, The True Story of the Bilderberg Group, and he mentions that the RAW Institute of International Affairs is the uh, the uh, main foreign uh, policy line of the Crown. Mm-hmm. Yep. I find that very interesting. You know, with the other interlocking groups like the CFR and yep. and so forth. But um, anyway, you could say that like you smiled. I remember watching a video uh, by him, and he was uh, talking about how. Uh, He thought the the Queen is like the biggest drug dealer in in, in the world, pretty much. And she's at like the age. Yeah,
2: yeah. you have to go into the history. It's fascinating. Remember, the Royal Institute of International Affairs means royal because it's got permission. It's got a royal charter to exist. That means it's very high up there. And royal charters are always handed out on behalf of the Queen and companies and corporations. They call it crown corporations in which she's involved with. And you'll find it going back even to the 1500s with the British East India Company. That was a crown corporation. Only the elite and members of it had shares in it. Uh, So she and all her cousins and so on. And back in the early 1920s, a British politician uh, didn't know, like General public didn't know, that the British crown still owned opium fields across the world like Burma. And the British taxpayer were sending troops to guard them and, and we were paying for all through the taxes. And that came out in Parliament, too. I think Thompson was the MP that brought it up. So they're still at it today, of course. And you're quite right. The, the, the whole, you see, what they must do to control people is to get a, a herd of people, give them a morality that works, and, and pretend that they themselves at the top are doing the same as you, which is a big joke to them. Uh, They get married, and when they get married, as long as they have offspring and pass on the genes, you see, that's all they have to do between man and wife. She can go her way, he can go his way, and get into his favorite pastime, which is generally little boy's. But um, the Council on Foreign Relations idea was born out of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They couldn't call it Royal because it was a U.S., so they simply called it the Council on Foreign Relations. And they set up the Harold uh, Pratt Building in New York, and that's the headquarters for it there. And that deals solely with Chatham House, the headquarters for the RIIA in England. Yeah. yeah it seems like the people at the top, they have no version
0: to the Bolshevism or Nazism, you know what I mean? They, yeah.
2: they play uh,
0: both sides of the
2: narrative pretty much, you know? Yeah, and they all profit of it too, and folk don't realize the stock market went on all through World War II, like it does always does everywhere else, and they simply traded for the, the things that Germany wanted via Switzerland and Sweden. That's why they have neutral countries that are left alone. It always surprised me, why did they leave these countries alone? Is because they all agree that's where they put all their cash through and uh, they can supply Germany. The Churchill family actually had a scrap uh, business, a, a huge, massive thing. The, the British public were encouraged to cut down all their metal railings and stuff, and even today there are stumps everywhere you look. They, these all went off to hit, fight the war. It was a, uh, one of the war uh, plans that they had for scrap metal. And they were shipping the stuff over under a neutral ship to Sweden and then to Germany. And it was a Churchill family that owned it. That's quite something. <laughs>
0: I mean, thank God. Uh, thank, I mean, this is a controversial subject, but the Lund Lease Program during World War II that Harry Hopkins administered for FDR. Um, there's a book that the Birch Society put uh, reprinted called, by George Racy Jordan called... Um, uh, what's the name of it again? I can't remember right now. But anyway, um, it talks about the Lund Lease Programme. And my opinion is that if there wasn't the only program going to Russia, we'd be speaking German right now, living under the Nazi boot, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, again, it's fascinating, too, to, to see how they used Germany to to take down, to an extent, some of the, the might of the Soviet rulership and, uh, and then demolish the Nazism part of it. Uh, and then there, then there were still the best pals of Uncle Joe. That's what they call them during World War II in propaganda films and so on. And, uh, and then, of course, you need another enemy after World War II, so they called them the Big Bad Bear. And they always need an enemy, of course. But all through World War II, the U.S. subsidized, subsidized through the Lend-Lease programs and after World War II, uh, the Soviet Union. We fed them right up until the walls went down in Berlin. Uh, Canada and the States used to compete for the, for the grain um, contracts to Russia every year. And uh, they couldn't even feed themselves. Uh, the gold, A lot of the gold the U.S. had was shipped to Russia, and the guys who found the Titanic were sent off on the North Sea routes to, past Greenland, where the ships went, the convoys, massive convoys were sunk there. And uh, they found some, a lot of the gold cargo that was shipped from the U.S. on its way to the Soviet Union during World War II. And, of course, they got first pickings at the gold bars. So that that's up been video somewhere, and I, they actually had it on public broadcasting some years back. So, uh, no one's explained why America was shipping its gold bars to the Soviet Union when Russia was not on the gold standard, you know. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's funny that, that the, I mean,
0: uh, the, the, the address for, uh, for Chase Manhattan in Moscow is uh, 1 Red Square.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating because everyone has a misconception of the Soviet system because they, they were allowed private banks. And you could have private accounts as as long as you didn't profit o- off the labor of others. And of course, it was full of lawyers who can reinterpret that any anyway, which way they want, which they did. And there was never such a amount of of millionaires, multi-millionaires, left the Soviet Union in droves once the Berlin Wall went down. And most of them ended up in L.A. and New York, and so a lot went to Dublin for a while, and, and uh, Northern Ireland too because there was massive grants for businesses from the EU coming in, and they were getting dollar-for-dollar uh, dollar grant money, and they set up these front companies, then bankrupted the country <laughs> and fled again. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. I know Ireland's got to hit back somehow. I don't know if this new government could do, really do anything for them, but it seems like uh, they're in IMF slavery as of right now.
2: Yes, and again, Professor Carol Quigley said that, that eventually the the, the Bank for International Settlements, which works with the IMF, uh, basically would be the the dominant uh, system on the planet that would control every X-nation. We're all X-nations really now, you see, in the global system. And they would be the masters over all economies. And that's happened. That's happening now.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, thanks, Alan, for for your time. Um, you have a very good show, and uh, I enjoy listening to you every night.
2: And thanks for calling. Okay, bye. Bye now. Then there's Bob from Texas there. There, Bob.
1: Yes, yes, I'm here. Alan, do you hear me? I do. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that I've got got the uh, opportunity to talk to you, sir. I really appreciate you. I have uh, uh, recently, you know, listened to some of your uh, uh, tapes on uh, uh, the Alex Jones mm-hmm. uh, info uh, wars or our Prison planning. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to say what a blessing you are because you, I mean, it's like you confirm. You have confirmed things that is that I've seen, or that it's like I I was awakened twenty plus years ago, and I I tell you, it's almost like you know you you almost kind of uh, you're in a realm on your own, and people think you're going nuts, and you kind of question yourself. And uh, and when I hear you, you're such a well-read person, you know you you, you've been studying this for years, and uh, when you confirm the things that I've been You know sensing inside me Mm -hmm. uh it's just it's amazing it's it's like an epiphany. yeah and uh uh i I, you know i don't have time to go into to you know who i am and and all the details of my life and so forth and uh, i'd like to have the opportunity to drop you an email at some Mm -hmm. point and uh you know share some specifics if that would be okay
2: sure oh yeah
1: and uh but uh, I just I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the information, especially you know this thing. I, I have recently posted some chemtrail photos yeah. uh, from in in the Austin area, and this has been this has been nuts. I've been noticing this for you know years, and and uh, uh, it seems like it's gotten worse. And I, I just started photographing these things, and I posted them on uh, the local news station in Austin, yeah. and they're still running my photos. And the little uh, article that I wrote about it concerning yes. uh, the chemtrails. And I, I know that there's something going on with it. I mean, I can tell too many people are sick all the time. They want to say it's allergies, allergies. Why is it that people are everyone across the nation you know.
2: Yeah, uh, there's allergies. even a, I even put links up to official uh, studies and, and documentaries that the out that allergies are up 60%, they just don't know why, it's a big mystery, and meanwhile you're, you're getting dozed. <laughs>
1: it's unbelievable, and you know, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I'm just sitting here, I'm just trying to contain myself, okay, Yeah. because of the information that you have given me, and you know, you you you, you give such, um like, uh, Huxley, and and all these folks and you know you grow up in a world like you say you're, you, you're grown you, you, you're born into this yep. and you don't realize it because you're just going on I'm from a military family and mm-hmm. you know my dad was stationed in UK yeah. for a, a couple of years and I was a child there during the Norwich Springs yes and then uh, and then I went over to the UK I joined the service and I was in Lake and Heath uh, for a couple of years. And, you know, you feel like you're doing all this for your country and for yeah. the good of things, and it's so, it's so disappointing.
2: It, it is. Everyone's getting used. It's, it's, it's being used that gets to you. When it sinks, when it oh, my God, I've been used. You know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And um, it is a, it's a disillusionment. Yeah. Yet at the same time, uh, there is a freedom in knowing the reality. And I, I, I really appreciate you because I feel like you have a ministry. You know, mm-hmm. some people may not perceive it as that. You may not perceive it as that, but I I feel like that you are ministering uh, the truth. Yeah. And I I just I want to say thank you for that so much, sir. Well,
2: and thanks. Uh, for, thanks. Thanks for saying so, and thanks uh, thanks for calling. But hang in and keep putting your videos up if you're someone wanted yeah, to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to do that. And um and like I say, I'm, I'm, I'll drop you an email. Uh, If you happen to see an email that says bat 23, Uh B-A-T, as in baseball bat or the flying bat, uh, bat 23, uh, that'll be me. Okay, Okay. so so don't delete it.
2: (laughs) I'll I'll look out for it.
1: (laughs) Thank you, kind sir. Appreciate you.
2: Okay, bye now. And we're back with the next caller after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is cutting through the matrix and we'll go to Alex from Toronto, if he's there. Are there, Alex?
3: Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Nice to talk to you. Go ahead. Alan, my question is this. Do you believe that Alex Jones is legitimate? I mean, you've talked about David Icke um, is there to discredit uh, much of the truth movement by putting it down to shape-shifting reptilians. But I see Alex Jones as the biggest star in the truth movement and uh, now I see him on The View, and he's talking about Charlie Sheen and 9-11 in the same breath. And I'm a little bit confused. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what's, what's going on here. Like, it's almost like I've woken up from one reality, and, and there's another box to capture me from uh, the real truth.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know, because uh, I, all I can say is Alex has been fair with me, and I know that um, I don't listen to other shows at all. I have no time to listen to anybody else out there as to where they're going, or even what Charlie Sheen's up to or anything else. And I do know that celebrities, like anything else, can get pulled in because people will sit per cup and listen to them when they speak. And um, it's, it's kind of sad in a sense that, that maybe even the patriot movement has to use that kind of thing too. But um, uh so I, I can't... Really comments on anything else, and he's he's not pushing, as far as I know. No one's emailed me and says he's pushing the alien stuff or or anything like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. It, it just it just um, it all seems like uh, it's either you're mainstream or you're a conspiracy theorist. And well, there's, like there's no doubt about that. Boxes, yeah. and, I, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm missing. I like I, I'm not, I'm a layman, but I feel that like I'm missing something. I'm missing a key factor here. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, it's not the mainstream line, but it's also that I feel that the the other side of the story is not telling me the complete stru- truth, and I'm just being... Well, here's the key, too.
2: To... A, a lot of people really don't know uh, the, the complete truth either. There's a lot of people who start up with the right heart to do the right things, but uh, until mm-hmm. you understand, and you really have to study... I mean, I've got a library there with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books in it. I've got more books and bins as well that you count. Uh, Old ones, too, collected from all areas, different countries as well. And when you go through the scientific establishment, heavily funded from even the the beginning of the 20th century to to today and what they've been up to, and the very fact that they're all being promoted up, getting massive funding to control us, our minds, our bodies even, uh, and the whole agenda to do with eugenics, depopulation, uh, eradicating the lower classes, eventually along with the middle classes, and bringing in new types of workers—all this stuff was dis- was discussed in the days of H.G. Wells. Uh, we are literally um, living through. <laughs> we're, you're born in a fiction to an extent, that, and you—that you, I, no, I don't question—and you wake up into the fiction. And it's true enough. I always say that you come out the tunnel into the fields, and you see the trees across the field. You want to get into those trees. But there's, a, there's landmines everywhere you go saying, come here, I've got, it. I've got it here. No, it's over here. And you've got to be awfully discerning as where, to where you want to go. Now, there's, there's some definite fakes out there. You, you, you'll, you, you'll spot the fakes out there. Um, because as soon as they get a falling, they take you off into UFOs. It's got to be aliens because humans haven't got the brains to do this. That's how they figure it. Because they're, they're rather simplistic thinkers themselves. And, and again, two other ones will come out on the same track Using the, the, the real data And go off into Well, it's the Anunnaki lizard. They made us as slaves and, you can, and we're only we're very inferior We can't find the giants They're too bright for us uh, I've, I've heard it all All the counterintelligence stuff But you've got to use your own discernment Including with me Because if I go off the rails one day You'll know something's happened to me as well
3: mm-hmm. Thank you, Alan
2: Yeah, use your own judgment now And uh, don't fall for any things Uh, and and forget celebrities you've got to educate yourself it's it's only you that matters from Hamish myself from Ontario Canada it's good night to me your God or your God's go with you